It's time for the word. Come on, stand to your feet. We will have Apostle Suzanne Howard. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How's everyone doing today? Blessed? Good ain't good enough. How are you doing today? Yeah, you want to be blessed. You don't want to be good. What's good? Somebody tell me what good is. I'm asking. I'm serious. Really? No. Good ain't blessed. Our God ain't good. He's better than good. We could only use the word right. Good on him when we said all the time. He's better than good. So let's try it again. How y'all doing today? Some of y'all just want to stick with good. That's got to be the hardest thing for a leader when you just have such rebellious people. When you're literally telling them what is the correct thing to say, they want to stick with what they know. Y'all go ahead and have a seat. I see we got a problem in here today already. Y'all done been under your aunties and uncles and now y'all done lost your mind. Thank God for apostles and prophets and teachers in the house of God. Because not only did I come to set the captives free, I come to set you straight. My husband is good. Prophet Lisa's good. Booker's good. I want to serve somebody who's Lord, who's better than good. Good ain't good enough. Do y'all know good? Good is like a C in school. I don't want somebody to help me study so I can get a C. Oh, y'all all gone today. I don't know. Maybe y'all still at the party last night or something. Pastor D did spot half her praise team on the dance floor, she said. So maybe that was a problem. Thank God it was Christian music. <laughs> How y'all doing today? Oh, my God. Yes. Get free. Get free. Get free. Get free. I don't care how bad it is. The opposite of bad ain't good. Come on, the opposite of bad gotta be greater, gotta be better. He makes us wiser and stronger. Why are we settling for good? I want more than good. Man can be good. I guess I've been studying too much and y'all just been, I don't know what y'all been doing in here. <laughs> y'all all right? Let's put our thinking caps on for a minute so y'all can catch up with me. Because don't think just because I haven't been in a pulpit that I haven't been in the presence of God, that I haven't been in the kingdom of God, that I have not been getting just outpourings and downpours of revelation. I've been with someone who is greater than good. As a matter of fact, he's greater than God because he's above all gods. He's greater than the Lord because he's above all lords. He's greater than a king because he's the king of kings. See, y'all got to catch up with me today. Y'all want to serve something that's good, and that's why your service to him is only good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. I think the whole house needed a hallelujah right there. Amen. I want to take a moment before we get started, though, and I just want everyone in your own quiet place. We're just going to pray for Israel. Is that all right? 
because they had an attack that hit them that was like that that happened to Pearl Harbor. It was completely surprised, unannounced. They have one of the greatest armies and technology systems in the globe, and they were caught off guard. And if you've known anything from being under an apostle, Israel is our time clock. Israel is the prophetic on what things are to come. And if you know anything about prophetic and prophecy from the Bible, we were told that there would be dragons that would come from the ocean and it would be four of them. And what the Bible is symbolically explaining to us is that from across the seas, these great nations would rise up. And it was told to us that it would be Russia, that it would be uh, China, that it would be North Korea, and it would be Syria. And they would come against us, which is Israel. And what happens in the natural is happening in the spiritual. So if we can get out of a storefront church, if we can get out of the mentality of what we have been taught as church, and I can continue to work to bring you into the kingdom, I think we can all touch and agree today that we need to pray for the church, and the church meaning Israel. Amen? So we'll go into our own private place. I want you to pray from your heart. We're just going to do this for a few seconds. No big deal, no big noise, but from your heart, pray for Israel. A hundred people so far, they have counted. Women and children have been kidnapped. And they've been kidnapped by militant Muslims, not the authentic believers of Muslim, the militant. Hamas is a, a piece from the Taliban. And Israel to them, if you ever watch any of their programming, try to get into this stuff because it's all about us. If you watch any of the programs, I had seen them interview little children in um, Muslim countries and they hate Israel. From a little age, they are taught to hate Israel. And they said, we can't wait till we cut the necks off of every Israeli child and adult so we can have our land back. Like they are taught from a young age to hate Israel. So we have to begin to intercede because God can still change hearts and he can change minds. And as, as Peyton was saying this morning, well, the way history has it, war is always over land and it is over land. And this whole story is in the Bible. And the, the end of the story is even in the Bible. So is it okay if we even pray for those that have been kidnapped by this militant group, if we can pray for the country Israel because uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has announced that they are in full war right now and that this is going to be a long war. War costs economies. Do not think this isn't going to affect us. We have uh, Christian churches that were over there on missionary journeys. Some are stuck there in this war. Benjamin Netanyahu has given his citizens that live along the Gaza Strip about four hours to leave their homes. They can only take what they're able to pack up with their families within a few hours because they're turning off all the electricity and all the water along the Gaza Strip where this, where this attack has taken place. So can you imagine right now me telling you, you got a couple hours to get home and take whatever you can and you still need time to flee to a safe place. Family photos things that mean a lot to you, some of your personal items, all trying to think while your mind is in fear because war is at hand. So just put yourself with some empathy in the shoes of this country and just pray from your heart. I don't want to be the one leading the prayer. I don't want to dictate how you pray. I want to give you the shortest amount of history that I can so that God can hear from your heart. Is that okay? You can just pray something for us. That'll be nice. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus.
as you reminded us in the scripture, Father, that is written on every prayer shawl, every tallit, that we are to always pray for Israel. We pray for Israel today. Receive our prayers in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank y'all very much. I heard a little bit from the Lord this morning, just a little bit, and I'm trying to pull it into this word, the teaching that I have for us today. So I'm going to do my best. Just stand with me. But I believe this is a prophetic word for a few of us in the house. Um, he's been downloading it to me in pieces since early this morning, and I'm trying to put it together up to the last minute in my seat, trying to hear him for the scriptures on it. But um, he's asking me to ask the people of God this morning, whose footsteps are you walking in? Whose footsteps are you walking in? He said, many of us are not walking because we don't understand our purpose. Many of us are not walking because we don't know our purpose. Whose footsteps are you walking in? Many of us are very lost today trying to retrace the steps of our fathers. People today all over the world, you can see it on social media, are following Moses because they want to return to the law. So you have many people that are bypassing Christ to follow Moses. People want to return to being the original Hebrews and the original Israelites, and people want to be kings now. And I heard the guy on the breakfast club say that he truly 100% believes that he is a king. I don't think anyone would really want to follow a king made of flesh that can only handle the breakfast club. We're so confused about things, even simple things, things that should be simple to us like salvation, like being born again, being born of water, being born of spirit, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. The church is so confused. We've gotten to the point where we're even calling women queens. I want to make it clear to you that if we are going to embrace our kingship from God, we cannot be queens. As a king, we are from the lineage of a king. Doesn't matter whether we're male or female. Do not let anybody call you a queen. They're, they're retorting and trying to go backward to a former place where God is no longer at. We are from the order of Elijah. We are from kings. We are from Jesus the Christ. He told me to express to the people today that it's like Elijah not following in the footsteps of Christ, but instead following in the footsteps of Elijah. Y'all going to get it tomorrow on replay. A lot of people, a lot of people, you, you see a lot of people stuck in old hymns. A lot of people quoting their old church cliches, quoting things that they thought were scriptures and, and one day found out it wasn't even a scripture what they were quoting. Calling the Godhead, the Trinity, which came from someone who preached a really powerful sermon and called it the Trinity because it means three, but begin to look in the Bible, the Trinity doesn't even exist, it's the Godhead. We're quoting things and we're quoting the former guards and we're quoting our former fathers and we're quoting our former pastors and former leaders and former spiritual leaders. We're quoting what they have said. We know it line upon line. 
word upon word, but we have no new revelation of what the relationship is that we now have with Christ. These former gods were to introduce us into Christ. They were to lead us into our purpose and our calling. They were not supposed to be our gods to us. Even I myself as your apostle, I am here to teach you, but the footsteps that you follow in, we are following after Christ. And when I hear too much of me coming out of you and not enough of Christ coming out of you, it concerns me whether I'm doing my job appropriately or not. God has called us, but many of us are stuck, and many of us are stuck on the breast of former guards. He's been dealing with me. He says, they don't even have a new testimony. We skip testimony service because we know exactly what they're going to say every time, and we don't hear the new revelation of Christ. We don't have any new quotes. We don't have any new cliches from God. We're still quoting what the former has done. When God has called us, he is doing a new thing in us. Where is the new thing? Ask your neighbor. This, I'm only prophesying, but ask your neighbor, where's the new thing? Ask your other neighbor. You got to talk to them today. Where's the new thing? And be in pursuit of the new thing. If that's you and if it's applicable to you, you've got to take this charge and go to God and find out where's the new thing. My testimony is old. The church knows my testimony word upon word. They even know when I'm getting ready to cry. I'm not just talking to nobody, right? There's people here that know what I'm talking about. It's like pastor don't have testimony service. Because the same three going to get up with the same old story. But we keep saying God is doing a new thing. And you keep talking about your old cancer, your old bad marriage, your old relationship, your old debt problem, your old broken down car. God is doing a new thing. Encourage us with what he's doing for you lately. I need to know where God is now. Where God is moving now. What is God able to do now? What has he healed now? What has he resurrected now? What has he brought together now? Who has he brought from the dead now? Whose eyes has he opened now? Whose speech has he called to come out of a, a stammering speech now? I want to know where God is now. The only way I can trace where God is is by hearing the testimonies of those that believe in him. But if you're getting up there telling me what your former pastor said and mother so-and-so said, they're dead and gone. They're the rock of Ebenezer that you go by and you remember when, but you're moving forward in the new things that Christ has called us to. He is doing a new thing, and some of us got to let go of the old. Yes, you walked with some great leaders. Yes, you walked with kings. Yes, you walked with giants. But what have you learned from their leadership? Is their leadership a success in your life now or only a quote? Sometimes the Holy Spirit will have me speak of a testimony that y'all have probably heard three times in here when I go to a new church. And for me, it's like, ew, this is so old. Like, I don't want to tell this, but it's new to those hearers. So he gives me permission to share it because it's new to the hearers. But what good is it if I keep getting up here and repeating the same testimony over and over to y'all again? And the sad thing about it, the church would sit there. Because they call that respect for leadership. Instead of realizing my leader's not moving. 
My leader is stagnant. Something's wrong with my leader because we're singing the same old song. She got the same old testament, crying the same old tears. We all know her favorite song. I've heard people in the neighborhood say when Bishop so-and-so would get the pulpit and he would sing and they would sing his song and they believed that the glory would fall on them from singing that song. No, baby, you have made relationship with the old and you are struggling to move forward in the new. Old things have passed away. Either you buy into it and you believe it or you don't. I have a problem with staying in one place for too long. It drives everybody around me crazy. I try to slow down for the sake of those people that are following with me. But God is doing a new thing. And I need to be where he is and what he's doing. We've got new issues in the world. We've got new problems in the world. I can't get in love with the God of the old. i got to press forward to the mark. That's what a high calling, the true calling in God is. It's in pressing forward to what he's doing. Even if what he's bringing me into is bringing me into my suffering, I've got to press into it so that I can press through it. Dancing around it, staying behind it, isn't protecting me. It's causing stagnancy. And stagnancy causes disease. Stagnancy causes death. Stagnancy causes no growth. A retarding of your development. I've heard people in here say, oh, I liked when we were crossroads. You are a problem for me. Because we haven't been crossroads in zillions of years. You're still in love with the former thing and God has done a new thing. You're not growing because you're in love with your ex-lover and God has begun in a new thing with us. There's a new relationship. There's a new move. There's a new word, a new miracle, a new economy, a new love. I remember when pastor would get up and sing the song of salvation. I remember when we used to sing amazing grace. Why don't we do that anymore? Because you're stuck in the old and you're holding up a new move from coming because you have laid your affections to the former things and you cannot add new wine and an old wine skin because if we add new wine to you, you will burst. I don't know who this is for, but I know parts of it is for all of us in here. Thank you, my brother. Nobody's taken away with who you walked away with. Nobody's taken away with the experience that you had with these greats and with these giants. But if you are busy walking in their footsteps, how are you replicating what Christ is doing for us? What is Christ doing in you now? He's set to ask the question, what is he doing in you now? You're crying about your losses. You're crying about how bad it was. You remember in the day you got saved. You didn't even get saved that day. <laughs> you didn't. I'm going to teach you about that. You didn't even get saved that day. That's the day that you got beyond your flesh and came to the altar. You didn't get saved that day. We saw what you did after that. You weren't saved that day. You were in your practice, practice, your process of sanctification. You were on your way to being born again. You were on your way to your mind being transformed and renewing to the mind of Christ. You ain't even saved yet because we're not saved until the end of the time. 
Otherwise, what are we saved from? He said to continue to work out your soul salvation with fear and trembling. Why are we working out something that we believe we've already accomplished in them? What is Christ doing in you now? For God called you for his good, not your leader's good. Let go of the breast milk of the former guards. Some of y'all can't even embrace me as your apostle, or you can't even embrace me as an apostle because I was your pastor for so long. Some of y'all can't even embrace me as your spiritual mother because you're still on the breast of your own foster parents. So somebody has become foster. Either I'm your foster parent or they're your foster parent, but the adoption in Christ has not happened because you're not in that church anymore. You're not under their teaching anymore. You're not under that doctrine anymore. You've been delivered from doctrine. You've been delivered from man. You have now been set free to be in an apostolic house learning the ways of a king and the kingdom. Shake loose. Shake the dust off your feet of the old place. Let go the teachers of old. They did their job. They completed their assignment. They are excited about what they have done in Christ, but you're still caught up on an old move. God's not even there anymore. He's not even there. He's moved on. He's called you. He's called you for his good, and he's called you to do good, even if it means suffering in him. Wouldn't you rather suffer in real time than for something that's already passed? Christ is our example. We give reverence to our leaders. We respect our leaders. We respect the order of the apostolic teaching. But our example comes from Christ. And any man who has deviated from that or any time that God has moved you from a leader and you are still trying to serve the old leader or doctrine or denomination, you have deviated from Christ. He is your example and you must follow in his footsteps. You cannot, in Exodus 20 and 5, the word of God says, you must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for anything else. I lay your sins of your parents upon the children the entire family is affected the word of God says even children in the third to fourth generations who reject me oftentimes we cannot accept Christ when our parents have been in Christ for so long because we fell in love with our leadership our children don't love our leadership our children want to know Christ so he has laid the sins of the parents upon the children the grandchildren the great-grandchildren and the great-grandchildren he said to the third and fourth generation for those who reject me when they're not even rejecting God what they're rejecting is the love you can quote your pastor but you can't quote the word of God you can speak the cliche that your pastor speak but you can't tell your family or think about what Jesus has done for you and you can't tell them about Jesus because nothing happens for you with Jesus unless it comes to your leader I know it's not good, y'all, but this is what he's given me.
Stop bowing down and worshiping denomination. Stop bowing down and worshiping man. Stop bowing down and worshiping the vessel that God used. He says, I am a jealous God. And I will not tolerate your affection for anything else but God. He said in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, remember ye not the former things. What is he saying there? Because when he say ye, we get a little, he said, forget about it. Forget about it. What else is he saying, y'all? Give me some of your terms. Let it go. Doesn't matter anymore. Get over it. Peace, deuces. I see somebody giving me fingers back there. That's peace or deuces, right? Why would Christ tell us to let go of something that has so much value to us, so much sentimental value to us? Because he's a jealous God, and he doesn't want us getting caught up on new waves and what's happening new. So many good things go through the church, and people get caught on that, and they stay there for years. I've been to churches, and it felt like I was in a time warp. I bought a house recently. I told you all before, and when I went into the house, the house was on the market for a long time. It was on the market for a long time because people want modern houses nowadays. This house, when you walk in the front door, you look like you literally transferred right back, I say the 70s, but it was built in 96. Literally everything from their bedspread to their furniture, to the woodworking, to the kitchen design, everything brought me back to the 90s. People turned it away because they didn't want something like that. They knew it would cost to redo a kitchen. If you know anything, 30000 to do a bathroom, 70000 to do a kitchen. People saw that and said it would cost too much because nobody's trying to be where the old thing is. See, the old thing served its purpose then. But we found better ways for bathrooms to work. We found better ways for kitchens to be set up. And when you go into better ways, there's better things that work for what's going on in the people's lives around them. That's what Christ is doing. He doesn't want us to remember the 90s. He doesn't want us to get stuck in our favorite place or our favorite chair that nobody better be in because it's mine. I'm a founding member. I remember buying that chair. I bought that chair. I remember getting that for apostle. Nobody can use that fake flower because I bought it for apostle. We get caught up on the former thing and God is constantly moving us into the new. I know it was good for you. I love the 80s. I don't think there's a generation out there that can contend with us 80s people. Come on, y'all. Y'all don't know nothing about good music, nothing about good parties. Y'all don't know nothing about nothing. Y'all can't even have a party. You're so busy killing yourselves that you can't even party with one another. But how dare I show up looking like I'm from the 80s? What is Christ doing now? Ask your neighbor. Make it personal to them. Say their name. If you don't know their name, ask their name. Say their name. What's he doing now, George? What's he doing now, George? What's he doing now, Kevin? Pastor D, what's he doing now? Elder Manny, what's he doing now? Soon as I see you coming, I see your old testimony. 
your old crying story. Even if it's something that happened to you that's old, but you got a new revelation on it, or it took you 30 years to get delivered from it, give me that. Don't give me something that's happened a long time ago. Yes, we hold on to those things. Traditions, all those things are good. We don't get rid of them, but it's not going to keep anyone. What's going to keep people is what is Christ doing now? He said, don't bow down to them. Don't worship them. I'm your God and I'm your Lord. Can you be stuck and not know it? Can you cause God to be stuck or boxed in when dealing with you and you keep thinking that God doesn't have anything to say to you? Remember ye not the former things. Listen, that's Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. He goes on to say, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old, neither even consider. It's not an option. Don't even consider it. Don't even waste your time thinking, well, you know, things were better then, so they need to be like that now. No, things were like that then because that was the season then. They will never work now. I learned how to put a faucet in recently. Okay? So I went to Home Depot after watching YouTube. And I went to Home Depot and I got the faucet. And I said, come on, Peyton, we're going to put this faucet in ourselves. So I took off the old. And I was like, "Woo!" They said water would be dripping. And I'd have all these water problems if I didn't do it right. We turned the water off right. We had no problem at all. The problem came when I wanted to fit the new faucet on the old plumbing. The old plumbing wouldn't fit the new faucet. So once I got everything hooked on, all the brackets in place where they needed to go, I took the hot water tube and the cold water tube and I went to plug it into the plumbing and it wouldn't reach. So when one thing I can get from that is when we try to connect something old with the new, your water flow ain't happening. Y'all will catch it in the spirit when you go into prayer in the morning. He said, I have done a paradigm shift, and I have done so many of these shifts in the time of Earth's creation that I know what I'm doing with the shift. Paradigm shift, an important change that happens when the usual way of thinking uh -huh, about or doing something is replaced. Somebody say replaced. replaced. By a new and different way. This discovery, just call it a discovery. This discovery will bring about my paradigm shift. Let's say it again. An important change that happens when the usual way of thinking about or doing something is replaced by a new and different way. This will bring about a paradigm shift. P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M. Paradigm shift. Thinking. The way we think about something. You know what the problem God has with us thinking about the old or always leaning on the old way that things are done? Because when we lean on a way that we've always come through already, we don't need God in our current situation. Oh, I know how this turns out. I know what to do. 
Oh, I know what's going to happen in this situation. My wisdom and my experience tells me that this is what happens when I do things this way. So I already know that from experience to do things this way. God said your experience is only going to get you so far. Didn't he say that God laughs at man's plans? Like you think you know what you're doing? You're using an old tool for a new problem. Peyton and I went and picked out the most fanciest faucet. It was like, it was called a waterfall. And it didn't have the top piece over the faucet so you could see the water coming through. And she wanted lights on it. So we had LED lights built in it. And we were like, oh my God, the price was good. The, the, the installing of it looked like it was good. But the plumbing was old. So we never got to see how pretty it could work. Never saw the water spring forth in the new thing. And the problem is, y'all, catch this in the spirit. I had to undo. I had to undo everything that I had put together with the new faucet. And then I had to remember how to put the old faucet back on again. Otherwise, we would have no water, no life springing forth. So I had to go back over all of my steps to return something to the old. Because I was trying to make a change, but wasn't prepared for the change. I was trying to make something look pretty without finding out everything that's involved in making something happen. That's why we lean and we depend on him. He's doing a new thing. We can do a new thing all we want. If he's not in the new thing, if he's not proclaiming the new thing, I found out, I didn't know that in August, it being the eighth month, I heard a preacher say, matter of fact, I think they came through here and said it. Everybody's preaching a new thing. And I was like, they are? Because I know that's what God gave this house. It wasn't a global prophecy. That's what he gave this house in January. It was a new thing. Can't you see it? It's already springing forth. I know what he gave me for this house. I pray specifically for this house and its members first. And then I realized the preacher said because it was the month of August. And August being the eighth month of a Gregorian American calendar, we're going to relate it to a spiritual book that doesn't operate on the same calendar that we operate on. But just because it was August, I'm gonna go ahead and claim, God is doing a new thing. We trace him by knowing what God's doing in him. I can't always see where God is and what he's doing. But I believe through the word of God that he's doing a new thing. So I look at Elder Manny and I'll see him coming in not so good. And then I'll see him bust out in the front row with a shout. A shout so serious he falls on the altar when he's done. I say, oh, God's moving. God's healing. He's doing a new thing. I don't want to hear about elder Manny's illness from 30 years ago. God did it already. Testimonies get old, y'all. We're human people. It get old. I don't want to hear it again. I don't want to hear what he did in your marriage 30 years ago. I don't want to hear what he did with you when you were an eight-year-old. Where is he now? Is he performing miracles now? Is he opening eyes now? Is he turning hearts now? Is he transforming people now? Is he delivering now? What specifically has he done for you lately? Because we like to share other people's testimonies too. And this kills our relationship. Because what would it be like being in a relationship with someone 
Bernard likes to buy me flowers. He believes since we were dating, every time he gets money, he should buy me flowers. And thank God I love flowers, so it works. So every time he gets his paycheck, I get flowers. But how would I feel that if every time his paycheck came, he got joy to flowers instead? Would that build my love for him? Would it build my trust that he's my husband and that he really loves me? Would it build in me the, the joy that when I see my husband or I know it's Friday, I'm getting flowers? Not at all. It would take my affections and it would make me covet or want what he's doing in Joy's life because I can't believe that he would do it for my life. Are y'all with me? Why would we have nothing new happening in Christ if we really have a relationship with him? Some of us are afraid. We're in fear. New thing with Christ, Lord have mercy. What's this going to cost me? What's this going to put me through? Who do I have to lose now? What sickness has to come upon me now? Because those have been the testimonies that we've given. We've given all these doom and gloom and death and, you know, God shut off my cable. <laughs> but God, through prayer and intercession, got my cable turned back on. When all we can believe God for cable and people are going through dire emergencies in life, something has happened to the church. And what's happened is your relationship is not renewed with him daily. You need a renewed relationship with him. God, who do I reach this morning? God, who do I need to speak to today? What do I need to post today, God? Are you in this post or this is my passive-aggressive attempt at turning somebody off because I'm upset with them. With every single thing we do, we should go to our CEO, our chief executive officer, and ask him, will this give you glory? Are you in this? Is this going to bless someone? Is this going to draw someone? Will this strike a conversation that someone would want to have with me so I can tell them what Christ is doing in my life? Because believe it or not, people who don't know Christ think the Bible's old antiquated that that worked for them and how do we know that's true because of all the religions that people are trying to form on their own now if you don't keep up with that stuff you'd be amazed to find out how many religions are being formed right now and it's mainly because we've led people to us but we haven't led them to Christ and if you're broke and people are fearing poverty they don't want to know your God. Come on. I'm not preaching prosperity, but if there's people who have lived in poverty and your God always has you in a Job experience, you're not drawing anybody. You're always in problems. You're always in chaos. Or you're always the black sheep. Every time you got a story to tell, you're the black sheep in it. Why are you continually the black sheep? You've been adopted in Christ. You don't have a testimony to share how good Christ has done with you, how he has translated you out of a family that didn't know how to love you, couldn't appreciate you, didn't understand you, but he called you his own. He adopted you from darkness into light, and he has set you in high places. He calls you a royal priesthood. He told you that favor is yours. He even told you that you're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And if any weapon and dare try you have the authority to condemn it 
We still hearing how bad your childhood was. And I'm the different one and the weird one. Well, sit down, weird, because we ain't looking for weird. We're looking for what God is doing now. We're not looking for different. We're looking for what God is doing now. I want God tangible. I want to be able to taste him. I want to be able to test him. I want to know where he's moving. Even if he's not moving in my life, show me where he's moving in the body of Christ. Somebody has a testimony. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor its seed begging bread. When I go home from church today, I may be eating oodles or noodles, but I ain't never seen the righteous forsaken. I know God has a plan for my life. And when I get back up here in a week or two, my testimony is going to be how he's fed me, how he sat me at tables that I didn't deserve favor at. That's a testimony. That's a testimony. Because when the Lord is on our side, when the Lord is on our side, he opens doors that no man can open. He closes doors that no man can close. He puts me in position that my education didn't qualify me for. He set me in meetings that my language wasn't even adopted for. He's made a way out of no way so that he can be glorified. Imagine for a moment if we all came in here looking like that old testimony. Some of y'all have a wedding gown on sitting over here. Some of y'all had that maternity outfit on. Some of us had that cap and gown on. Y'all getting me? Some of y'all have what? What's that accomplishment that you're just so proud of that everybody knows about? Think about what it would look like in here. It looked like a Halloween party. That's what it would look like in here. Everybody dressed in the thing that they glorify in. But can Christ dress in you and be glorified in you? Can he be glorified through you? He tells us in Mark 2 and 22, and no one, no one puts new wine into old wineskin. There's a place I want to take you. There's things I want to show you. There's glory that I need to get out of this earth, and I have chosen you for it, but I can't use you because I can't put my spirit, I can't put my word in you because you will burst because you're old skin. And when the skin is old and the skin bursts, the wine, everything that he's poured in you is poured out. And guess what he says after that? And the wineskin is ruined. Who's the wineskin? That's us. We're ruined. So why is he holding back from pouring into us? I want to prophesy. Why don't I get any prophesies? Because he don't want to ruin you. I want to sing a new song. Why can't I get prophetic song? Well, the word of God says that he has wine to pour. The issue isn't the wine. The issue is the skins that hold the wine, that hold the revelation, that hold the word, that holds the new thing that he's doing. He said, not only will all that be spilled out, you will be ruined. New wine, new revelation, a new song, a new meaning, new revelation, new word. It must be poured into new. New plus new equal new. And I know it's hard. And I only know it's hard because I hear y'all many complaints. I said, I'm always moving so fast. 
Apostle always changing things. Apostle, didn't you just have it that color? Apostle, didn't you just do it that way? Apostle, didn't I don't remember. I'm not there anymore. I don't know. Remember when the room was yellow? No, I don't. Remember when the room was blue? No, I don't. Doing a new thing. He wants to do a new thing. And sometimes I believe, as in the spirit, as in the natural, right, I get so overweight with vision that can't take place because people aren't ready for the new. So I start redecorating. All of a sudden, it'd be like, I don't like any of these chairs. We're going to order 300 new chairs. Like, well, what was wrong with the old ones? I'm just, I'm just sick. I'm just, something's not happening and movement isn't happening. So I start picking on natural things like, why is that in here? And changes like, Pastor, that's been here 10 years. Well, I've never seen it. Things, you know, I'm talking to y'all. Things start standing out to you that aggravate you in people, in yourself, in natural items, in material things. Because God wants to do the new thing in you. And it's provoking a, a, a frustration. It's provoking a righteousness. It's provoking in you a feeling that I'm just going to deflect all this stuff that I need to be doing on things. And I don't even like her car. Why don't you get a new car? And Why don't you paint that? And why don't you change your hair color? And why don't you get braces and what you just start going through the whole thing picking on people and picking on things because the frustration is the new thing is being held up because he has plans for you he wants to pour in you but he can't pour in you because you're not willing to be open for the new thing I hope y'all hear me today I'm trying to teach it as best I can as he gave it to me this is where he had me wrap it up at and I guess we won't even get to the teaching today. We stayed in the prophecy. He said, the call of Elijah. That's what I want y'all to write down. You can even write it down on your calendars. And let's mark where we are a year from now. The call of Elijah. Listen to this. Elijah. First, let me give people who maybe don't know it. Elijah was called by God. E-L-I-J-A-H. Was called by God. And he did many things but there's one specific thing he was called to do. And his specific calling was that he was supposed to go up against Jezebel. And Elijah was upset because he felt the people that were supposed to be with him to go up against this Babylon queen, this high-powered priestess, the people were not there to go with him. So God was trying to let him know this battle ain't about the people. This battle is what I've called you to do. Your entire life has been lined up for this battle right here. And I need you to remember my footsteps. But see, Elijah could only remember the footsteps of his father. So he couldn't trust God to go into the new. He couldn't trust God to lose everything and lose nothing at all just by trusting God. He couldn't trust them because he was so caught up on what the men before him had done. So when the, the, the assignment came, Elijah couldn't do it. God went to a cave. What's your cave? And he called him out. And he said, yo, what are you doing in there? Elijah's like, is that really you, God? Because Jezebel ain't no joke. And I, I, I can't fight her by myself. I'm hiding from the thing that you called me to conquer. I'm hiding from the thing that my entire life has been lined up to confront. And I thought I've done many great exploits in front of you because I had my spiritual people with me. 
but now I don't see any of my great fathers and my spiritual leaders and I don't see the intercessors or the prophets the, the pastor team the elders no one's here with me the apostles how they're not here with me to fight so I'm hiding in this cave he said Elijah come out they walk a little bit more Elijah finds another cave to hide in what's your cave is it a relationship do you keep finding relationships to give you an excuse to not do what you need to do for God or is it your job I got to work all these hours. I can't do what God has called me to do. Or do you just hide behind your fear? I just don't believe God would call me to do something as remarkable as that. Maybe you believe that God should use other people instead of you. That's your cave. Where did Elijah go after God himself called him out of a cave? Into another cave. He would go so many feet, so many miles, and would find another cave to go into and hide. What did our loving, gracious God, who they said was not merciful in the first covenant, took his time, God of the entire universe, takes his time to go to the second cave. Elijah, what are you doing in there? He said, God, I can't fight this Babylonian priestess. This, this prophetess, she's got so much going on, so many people for her. I don't have anyone. He was like, Elijah, do you not know how much I love you? Do you think I want you to lose anything? Do you think that your life is invaluable to me, that I would put you in a situation that would cost you your life? That I would put you in a situation that would cost your reputation when your reputation is my reputation? He said, Elijah, I've got so many people ready to fight this battle with you. But because you keep running behind excuses and hiding in dark places that you call safe spaces, you're so busy hiding from the thing I called you to, you can't even be elevated to the destiny that I held for you. He said, Elijah, go down the road. Find me the young because I called them because they're strong. Go find me the young. Go find Elisha. Could you imagine God saying, Suzanne, you have failed. Go find Susan. What? Why her name got to be like mine? Latanya, you don't want this assignment with me. All these years I thought you knew me, and all you knew was your apostle. Go get Tanya and give her your robe. Isn't that what he did in the word? He got someone whose names was familiar and told you to take the gift I gave you and put it on your replacement. Y'all think Trump got you are fired locked down. God had you are fired way before Trump had you are fired. He didn't have mercy. He didn't cry for Elijah. He didn't even tell him, I'm sorry. You know, you're after my heart. I know it. He didn't even tell him, don't think that I don't love you. Don't think that you're disposable. These are the things people say in church to you when you can't use them because they don't want to commit to the call. I feel disposable from her. You're not disposable, sweetheart. That's a personal matter. But for me, you are replaceable. If you feel disposable, that's a personal issue. You are most definitely not disposable, but please understand, we are all replaceable. 
And if God couldn't get what he wanted done with Elijah, and he went down the road a little bit, and he made Elijah put his cloak and his mantle on Elijah, and when y'all start singing younger people coming to the church, and they standing up praising God, and they're getting up giving testimony about God, and they're singing their songs, and they're not looking for title, and they're not looking for relationships, they're not looking to get in the bed with somebody else, they're not using their sexuality as an excuse not to serve God. God, and they're like, I want to serve God. I'm going to say, hey, y'all, Elijah's are here. They ain't coming with excuses. They're not at the party gathering when they're supposed to be on duty and position. They're not complaining about sicknesses and illnesses when they're supposed to be in position. They can't sing praise and worship because the spirit wasn't right this morning. They can't preach a sermon because I ain't heard nothing from God today. Elijah's are coming. Elijah's are coming. Hold on, God. Don't give up on us yet. There's going to be a group called Righteous, and they're going to come in under the spirit of Elisha. When he called Elisha, listen to this part in my ending. Elijah left what he was doing and he ran after his father Elijah isn't that honorable God asked Lisa to do something Lisa says hold on God it's honorable to respect my leaders I just want to go the scripture said let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye apostle's been so good She's been better than good. Apostle taught me to get a prayer room. Apostle has taught me how to pray in the spirit with God. She came and got me out of the clutches of darkness. She came and got me when my heart was broken. She pulled me out of a relationship that would have taken my entire life. I'm coming, God, but let me kiss my father and my mother. And he said, then God, I will come and go with you. My wife and my husband don't come to church. Let me go back and take care of them, and then I'll come with you, God. Can't be on the prayer line. Got a party to attend. Can't go to church on Sunday. It's game day. I done seen pulpits dressed with patriots. Pulpits dressed completely paraphernalia of the patriots. I've seen pulpits with disco balls hanging from them. I've seen pulpits, right? I can't imagine. I've seen pulpits that were, were dressed with all of this stuff. I don't even know what to even call it. No imagery of God to help the minds to focus on God. They were stuck on the former thing. How dare you decorate my house with Lisa's face? Do y'all get it? My pulpit, my altar. And you decorated with patriots? I've seen craziness because people are saying, hold on, God. Let me kiss my idolatries goodbye. Let me go back and kiss my former gods go by. Let me kiss my former pastor. Let me run to my former leaders. Let me run back to the boys club or the girls club. Let me just try to secure this relationship because you're calling me to something else, God. And he said, <laughs> go back Elijah 
And Elijah said, wait a minute, that didn't sound like God was being real. You ever say, Apostle, can I go and do this? Lisa, if that's what you feel God is telling you. Lisa be like, well, what does that mean? Because I'm asking you if you think this is okay, and you're telling me if God said it's okay, what does that mean? That's what God said. So Lisa says to Apostle, what have I done? Why are you talking to me like this, Apostle? I've served you. I've been with you for years. I've made sacrifices. I give. I do what you tell me to do. Every requirement you ask me to meet, and all I want to do is run and kiss my mother and father goodbye, and then I'm coming with you? And you telling me I dare you to go and do it? And he's saying, what have I done? Verse 21. So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat that the former guards used to use. The yoke of oxen that the former church had for y'all. And he gave it as meat to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. Our safe places. I can't do this and I can't do that. And I can't do this and I can't do that. And the thing is, I'm not saying the stuff ain't real. Real stuff comes at us to detour us, to distract us. And we get hurt sometimes when people say, oh, those are excuses. Excuses are real, y'all. You can touch them, you can feel them, you can get fired from them. <laughs> excuses are real. They're legitimate. But even in the call of God, excuses don't work. Many are called but few are chosen. You know why? Don't think everybody's not called. Many are called, but many can't answer the call. And you can't answer the call because you want to go back and kiss something goodbye. You want to go hide in a cave of safety, a cave of excuses. You're either called or you're not. I got to go over here to this conference, and I got to go over here and hear this speaker. You chasing old moves. I remember... Juanita Bynum was my spiritual mother. Never knew each other face to face ever. But I gleaned from her. I learned from her. Every video she produced, I bought. Every cassette, I bought. Every conference, I bought. Didn't matter what it cost. We'd have to fly to where she was, get a hotel room, eat while we're at the conference, and then everything on her tables, I would buy it. And it would take me about a year to pay all that stuff off. I ate of her teaching. I gleaned from her teaching. I believed that she was teaching a message that God would have me to teach. I had eaten so much of her that when I started preaching, people say, you sound a little bit like Juanita Bynum. And I was like, oh my God, am I mimicking her? Am I doing too much? Am I, am I going overboard with her? And then all of a sudden, it's like her sermon switch. And I said to God, I don't like what she preaches no more. This stuff right here, it just ain't right in my spirit. I don't know what this is all about. And he said to me, you ain't supposed to follow her no more. There's nothing wrong with what she's preaching. It's not what's supposed to be feeding you anymore. I allowed you to be fed off of her for the time of your maturing. But the time of your maturing has ended. You have matured. Why are you still trying to drink the milk of the old days when what I have for you now, you can't get from any of them? We still quote T.D. Jakes. 
T.D. Jakes said last Sunday, T.D. Jakes, I ain't know God gave him a word for you. That's your pastor. Juanita Bynum's having a prayer call. We having a prayer call every Tuesday at 530. Prayer calling, prayer calling, prayer calling. And you flying where for what? The devil is a liar. Don't get on that plane. What? What are we doing? We want to go kiss something goodbye. See, Juanita Bynum was an old move for me. She was an old move. I liked how I felt in her. I, I got from her what I couldn't get from my pastor's wife. She wouldn't nurture me and spend time with me and mentor me. I couldn't even get a Zoom meeting with her for four weeks every quarter. I couldn't. The only time I was ever able to get any kind of wisdom or glean anything from her is if I happened to be the armor beard that had to give her a ride home that day. So I was getting the nuggets and I was getting what I can from her, but I was so hungry and nobody was coming fast enough to feed me. I used to get up and say, I just need somebody to undergird me. I know what kind of woman I can be in God. I just don't know what it looks like. I don't have the blueprint and I'm asking for the old guards to show me a way. God wouldn't allow an old guard to show me a way because you know what I would have fell in love with? The old guard. I would have fell in love with the old way and I would have missed the new thing that God is doing. God is calling y'all today. And he's calling you to trust him in a new thing. This is a message that you're going to have to come back at and come back at and come back at many more times, if not every day for a while. Because there's something that you are not obeying God for because you want to go back and kiss it. You're not trusting him and where he is. You're comfortable with hearing the sermons of other people when he's giving you one. And then you want to say, oh, God gave me that to preach too. Well, what's the difference? You didn't do it, and I did. Oh, God gave me that song, too. Well, what's the difference? I sung it, and you didn't. You're so busy kissing something goodbye. You've been sitting 10 years in these pews in all kinds of churches, 20 years in these pews under great leaders, many investments, many prophets have laid hands on you, and you ain't ready yet. That's the longest kiss you've ever had in your entire life. If you have never heard the call of God on your life before, I pray today that it is ringing in your heart, that it is ringing in your soul, that it is ringing in your mind. I have heard people give excuses before, and those excuses died, and they found another excuse. They went into another cave. When God is calling you, Jonah, he will rock the boat that you're riding on so comfortably. And he will cause other people, he will allow other people to suffer losses because you refuse to answer him. So he's shaking up your family. He's shaking up your children. He's shaking up your workplace. He's shaking up your street. He's shaking up your church because Jonah is sitting there sleeping comfortably. And you don't want to come and answer the call of God that's in your life. I won't be on time today. You don't think time matters? You don't think time matters? Ask people on 9-11, did time matter? The, they missed the bus. They spilled their coffee. Somebody held them up outside the building, and seconds later, people jumping off the same building. You were almost in. You don't think time matters? You think being late is okay? You think not showing up is okay? You think doing other things that God has called you to do is okay? If that sits okay with you, 
Go ahead and kiss them. But you can't kiss two masters. You're going to have to hate. This the word. You're going to have to hate the one and love the other. It doesn't have to be bad. I heard someone say, it might even been an interview that I was on, that it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. This ain't hard, y'all. It ain't hard. It's his way or no way. You either get on, you get off, or you get run over. Not even left. Now we running over now. You hear me? Yeah. My old church did it this way. My old pastor did it. The glory used to fall in when we were at the open hearth. People was here with breast cancer. Men just came out of prison, was coming in to our little church, and they were glorified. We ain't there no more. So the problem is you're still there. And we can't move as a unit, as a mastermind, because the Bible says where two or three come together, I am in the midst. He said where there's a two or three-fold cord. Are y'all getting me? So we're trying to build something here, and you at the open heart. You at crossroads. You're trying to get your old husband back. Not the one that wants you, the one who married and already moved on. You waiting for your kids to get saved for you to come into church. You waiting for that promotion on your job. You waiting till you get that education. Kissing so many things. We should entitle this the long kiss goodnight. Because this is the longest kiss I ever seen. Some of y'all won't even move because you're waiting for somebody to marry you. And you've been with them for so many years and they haven't even proposed yet. Am, am I all right? Uh, under the Holy Ghost of God, okay? Under the Holy Ghost of God, I am not speaking to any one person in this room. So if this is hitting you, it is the Holy Spirit that is doing this. I'm not bringing up anybody's stuff. I don't have any issues or aughts with anybody in this room. But let the good word hit you. The good thing about God is some of these things that I'm speaking about, prophesying and preaching about, is hidden in you. And you might not have even known they were de there until this word came. Because the word came to me first. And we think we reach a certain plateau. You know, nothing has to be worse for God than when we put worldly things before him. Worldly things, not even things in the spirit. I'm going to end. Father, I pray for each and every mind that has been open to hear the living word today. I pray for this word to be a two-edged sword, piercing asunder, even the bone from the marrow. I pray that this word does not come as condemnation, but if it has come for some as condemnation, I pray that the guilt that they feel will be switched over, God, and that they will be ministered to by the angels that were attached to this assignment today. And instead of being condemned, they will be convicted. I pray, Father, not for the doors of the church to be open, but I pray for the kingdom of God to be open to those today that need to acknowledge, I need to answer this call.
I may not understand everything that's attached to it. I, I may not understand the difference between the call and purpose and attending church. But God, this word today, I, I don't know. I, I don't even understand all of it, but there's a good part of it that I'm just feeling on the inside. Like there's a part of me that is spirit and it has partnered with this word today. If you are here and you can get out, I want you to come to this altar. If you can't get out of your row, you can stay where you are and just remain standing. And I'm going to minister to you for a couple of minutes. Moses made an excuse. Wasn't it Moses that said, I can't preach. I stammer. What was he trying to kiss? An excuse goodbye. I wish I knew one of the old songs today because y'all probably need an old song to minister to y'all. We're coming to this altar today just as I am. And we're coming to meet the I am. Because he's doing a new thing, church. And the excuses, they don't balance out. It's like food stamps to cash. We got to get God's math in alignment. You have been kissing that thing for so long, you need chapstick. We're not alone. Don't feel like you're by yourself. You come and come on in here. Be like the woman with an issue of blood. Get your spot. And that's going to be something that you may have to practice in your life because you have become comfortable with being wherever it is you end up. And God wants you in the front. And the woman with the issue of blood, I don't know if she bothered to say, excuse me, but I know she got to the front of that place. Because after she spent all her money, the Bible says, after she seen all the physicians that she could get to, she still wasn't healed. And the word of God says she spent all she had. And all she had to do was come to him. All she had to do. And when she came to him, one touch. And she was healed. One touch. Timing matters. 18 years. Timing matters. Bring your kids to church in pajamas if you have to. Didn't we do it? Whatever it took. They got school in the morning. Give them their shower. Put their onesies on them. Bring them to church. Stop letting your children think that you follow a man or a woman and not to follow in the footsteps of Christ. They've heard every sermon your pastor has ever preached. What is God saying to you for your children? If grandma was alive, I would be so much better off. Grandma did her due justice. You need to do yours. If mama was still alive, things would be better. Mama left the matriarchal mantle with the next oldest one. Help them line up and gather the family and pull the family together in prayer. Stop chasing the former guards. I like the way the Baptists did this, and I like the way the Pentecostals did this. I don't know about this new apostolic stuff. Come where God is doing a new thing. He didn't call you because you're strong. What strength are you waiting for? Some of us waiting for young age to come back. God, you can't call somebody younger. I'm tired already. <laughs> Some of us are saying, call somebody who got better feet, somebody that can stand better. Pray someone in God that can deal with the, the tough neck generation, this new generation. I, I'm not built to deal with this generation, God. God, you calling me for people who have done things that I haven't done. How can I witness to them? See, there's the problem, right? 
We're walking in man's footsteps instead of in what God wants to do in you. Do you know that you can minister to people as if you literally studied a thing? And they will be like, were you once like that? No, never in my life. Spirit of wisdom just spoke to me and told me how to minister to you. He's doing a new thing. And we're open to him today, right? In heart and in mind. I want you to go ahead and take a moment to say, give that thing its last kiss goodbye. And when she calls you, that 36, 28, 36, because they get them by surgery now, so y'all got a whole lot of temptation. Before, it was like a field jewels in the garden. Now everybody got them. 80-year-olds got it going on. Yes, yes. Sorry. So guess what? You're going to kiss that thing goodbye. And when it tries to meet you after church today, remind yourself. And when they be like, you blowing me a kiss? Why you just said, come give me a kiss, baby? I am not blowing this kiss to you. This is the last kiss you ever going to receive from me, devil. Listen, church, even if you consider yourself failing and messing up again, do me a favor. When you pick yourself up and brush them knees off, go. Oh, I slipped up that time, but I ain't stuck this time. It's getting easier and easier to leave this situation. It's getting easier and easier for me to have faith in what God has called me to do. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, that's it. I'm just going to give this thing a kiss goodbye. Don't condemn yourself because condemnation and conviction don't belong to you. That's God's job. I had to talk to someone on Saturday morning for a long time because she thought she was doing the right thing and all her ways were legalistic. There was no grace. There was no mercy. Hemmed up her, her life on a divorce she had years ago that she think God is going to make her remarry again because God hates divorce. I said, and you know what else God said he hates? He hates our wicked hearts. He hates our wicked hearts. Do you know why God allowed divorce? Because he said our hearts, our hearts, he said, their hearts are just wicked. They're far from me now. They're hardened. That's why I allow divorce. So what does that mean? One person and then definitely the other person in that marriage got their heart hardened. Marriage represents the union with Christ. When did your heart get hardened that you decided to turn away from him? Harden not your hearts. So when we fall down, what do we do? We get back up. And if somebody says to you, wasn't you just at the altar last Sunday? Know what I want y'all to do to them? Yes, sir. These are my brothers right here. My brothers got me. Blow them a kiss. They don't have to know what it means. And tell them I'm not being rude. I'm not cussing or offending you. Go read in the Bible about Elijah who struggled to leave the old thing when God was calling him. And the thing that he struggled with is he just wanted to give a proper goodbye. He wanted to give honor. He wanted to give a kiss. Kiss biblically means a lot, y'all. It's almost like covenant. So he felt he was doing the right thing, and God even said no to that. Father, with every heart, every soul that has come to this altar today, we pray in agreement and in alignment that we will not live in these caves of excuses 
that we will not continue to chase old doctrine, old leaders, old sermons, old cliches, new excuses. God, excuses are real. We admit it today, but it does not give them the power to hinder us from what you called us to be. Father, whether we're homeless, whether we're hungry, whether we're broke, Father, whether someone told us if you keep going to church, you can't be with me. May we adhere to what you have called us to be, what you've called us to do. We really desire, Father, to leave this earth to hear you say to us one day, well done, my good and faithful servant. That is our heart's desire. That is what we long for, God. But while we're yet here, and while we're yet running, give us the strength of eagles. Give us the mind of Christ. Renew our heart in you. And may every time we get ready to give an excuse, hide in a cave, or go back to kiss something, you remind us that that might be our last kiss. Lift your hands. Every hand that is lifted is in agreement with this word today. We believe and trust that you have the ultimate destiny of ours in your hands. We will meet this destiny. No matter how we cross this finish line, we will meet this destiny. We will trust your promises no matter what comes. And today we kiss those things of our past goodbye. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. Listen, I want y'all to read that scripture. And I want you to write it and rewrite it in your own sermon notes. I want you to look at it. And as you read that scripture, if God begins to show you people, places, and things, I want you to write them down. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help me with these places. Because the enemy would love to use our own children against us. Our, our lovable grandchildren. Oh, I'm, I'm just going to watch online today. God, is it okay if I watch online today? Is there an anointing in there that I need to be under? Come on, y'all. We're going to believe this thing in its fullness, so we're not going to believe it at all. Sometimes I come in here, and y'all might be like, oh, she in a bad mood. Yeah, I didn't want to come to church today. But he told me... And I got dressed and came to church. And I'm mad, but I obey. Amen? Amen. Ask yourself on this week, God, what's the new thing you're doing with me? Yes. And I want to hear from y'all what he's doing. I'm going to call y'all for a testimony. And I want to hear what he's doing. And I'm going to gong you like the Apollo show if y'all get up here with some ancient of days testimony. Is that okay, mother? See, she got my back. She said, it's okay. Nobody going to touch me. We're going to go home. Come on and go to your seats. If you have a seed to give in your hand, I'd like for you to sow to this word today. I want to thank the Apostles House for such a glorious pastoral anniversary the weekend before last. Right? I think it was two weeks ago now. We had such a good time in the tabernacle. All I wanted was to just be with the Apostles House. Uh, Maria, up until the week before, was still, well, who's the speaker going to be? I said, I don't want a speaker. So she's like, oh, God, this lady, here we go again. I just want to be with the family. I just wanted us together. And I think it turned out exactly the way I wanted it to turn out for y'all and for me. 
I believe that the union was there, the fun was there, the laughter was there. And I think that we can work together a lot better if we played together a lot better. You know, always working with each other. We get frustrated, right? She's late. Come on. She's late. She ain't on time. She never ready. She, but if we had a little fun time together, I think it would take some of the bitterness off our tongue when we have to give each other a little grace and a little mercy. Is that all right? Thank you, Lord. Evangelist, I do have a word for you. I'm going to ask the Lord to bring it back to my remembrance. Um, I know I wrote part of it down, so be ready for next Sunday. You're over here. Amen. For next Sunday, he has a word for you. God, I thank you for the word that you have for evangelist God and anyone else who is seeking the Lord for a word. God, I pray that if they are here with us again, that you will speak to me to give them that word or make connection possible to bring them what it is that you have to say to your people. Are our hearts and minds clear? Are we good today? What we got going on this week? New? All right, good. That was a safe answer. Y'all don't like correction, huh? That was safe. No, not good, but blessed. Yes, got it, right. <laughs> Church. <laughs> what we got going on this week? We just going to be kissing all week long. <laughs> Amen. Better, yeah. What time is prayer Tuesday? Who's coming to prayer Tuesday? Okay, I'm going to get ready to pick on somebody. Yes, amen. We want to welcome, is, is it Lorraine? Is it Sister Lorraine? Minister Lorraine? You're a minister? Please stand up. Minister Lorraine, her and her tribe, <laughs> they joined the church last week, week before? Two weeks ago, she joined the church. How many young people with you? Four? Five. And I believe that, is that... Yes, there we go. That handsome young man, look at y'all. That handsome young man over there with her. That's her son. They are so encouraging. Make sure we love on them. Make sure we encourage them. Don't let them join in the ocean and the sharks just all go their own way, right? Let's swim around them a little bit. Let's talk to them. Be mindful of what it's like to join a new church. Amen? She has been following me for years. She and I never met. And just of recently, she felt like the Lord gave her a release to come here and to do the work that God has called her to do. So the enemy would love to take what God is, wants to do with her. But we're going to guard that and not let that happen, right? Amen. So we have prayer on Tuesday at 530. We have Bible study at what time? And who's teaching? Minister Danielle. Because I hear y'all been tearing it up, acting up up in here. I want to introduce y'all to our five-fold ministry. These are the teachers of the five-fold ministry. Who is that? Dr. Vanessa, stand up. Minister Danielle. Minister Leah. She's running around. Um, Minister Angela. Minister Nisi. Who else? Who? Minister Diana. They have all taken their assessments and came up as teachers under the five-fold. So we're doing good. We have well, one apostle. We need some more apostles. We got prophets. We got what else? Evangelists. That's what we're working on next. And Anna came up evangelist. Stand up, Anna. Wave your hand. So we gotta, we've got to form the five-fold evangelist team because evangelists are not like only Billy Graham. They're, they don't only mount the platform and read the bulletin. 
They are full of the Holy Ghost. They have the power to heal with the laying on of hands. They have the utterance to prophesy and to bring life to the person they're witnessing to. So who else believes they're an evangelist in here? Let me see you. Look at those evangelists. Come on. And then we have the pastoral team under Pastor D. And we have the teachers right now being overseen by Minister Leah, keeping us gathered together. And I hear the teacher's ministry is coming through strong in Bible study. Yeah, we glorifying God in that. Hallelujah. And I know the elders are happy because they don't always have to teach everything that goes on in the church. We can sit down and see the fruit of the work and the labor that we have all done together. Amen. Father, as we prepare to leave this place, but never your presence. We thank you for the spirit of the living God. We thank you, Father, that as we kiss so many things goodbye, the enemy would love to show us how weak we are in our flesh, but even in our falling down, there will always be a getting back up because greater is he that is in us than he that is of this world. Our Adamic man can't get back up, but the living Christ in us the resurrected people that we are now can get back up from every fall. And when we get back up, we're going to give a big fat kiss, whether in the spirit or in the natural, to remind ourselves, devil, you got me down, but I always got resurrection power to get back up. We glorify in this word today. Help those who are struggling to let go of past churches and past leaders and past messages and just pass, pass, pass. Father, we pray for those that they will have a faith that will conquer their fear to align their life to the new thing that you are doing. We thank you for each person, whether in person or online. We glorify and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray traveling mercy for you. I love you.